Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, March 14th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Russia increases its aerial attacks on western areas closer to Ukraine's border with Poland. The U.S. and China will hold their first high-level in-person talk since the war began. Another Wall Street firm cuts its S&P 500 target. And the Fed's expected to raise interest rates this week. The NYPD is looking for a suspect and fatally attack homeless men who are sleeping in the streets. Plus, North Korea may test an ICBM as soon as this week. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stasher on Sports. Tom Brady's retirement is over. He's back with Tampa Bay. The Yankees made a big trade. The Nets beat the Knicks. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures are higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 27 points. Dow futures up 249, and NASDAQ futures up 45. The DAX in Germany is up 2.1%. 10-year Treasury down 17.30 seconds, yield 2.05%. The yield on the two-year, 1.78%. NYMEX crude oil is down 3.5%, down $3.95 at a $105.44 a barrel, and COMEX gold is down 7 tenths percent. John. Karen, we're going to have more on the markets in a minute, but first, negotiators from Russia and Ukraine are set to hold more talks today after a weekend where Moscow increased its aerial attacks on western areas closer to Ukraine's border with Poland. Meanwhile, U.S. officials say Russia has asked China for military assistance for its war in Ukraine. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has more from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. It appears Vladimir Putin has faced more setbacks than he expected in the war with Ukraine. One U.S. official tells Bloomberg the request for aid from China isn't new, but did not say what kind of equipment Moscow is asking for. This, as Pentagon spokesman John Kirby tells ABC's This Week, the U.S. continues to back Ukraine. We're going to continue to flow security assistance to them. The kinds of things we know they most need, the kinds of things that they're using so well, we're going to continue to help get get them into their hands. Meanwhile, Russia attacked a military base that acts as a hub for cooperation between Ukraine and NATO countries. That raises the possibility the alliance could be drawn into the fight. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. The U.S. and China will hold the first high-level in-person talk since Russia's full invasion of Ukraine. We get more from Bloomberg's Stephen Engel in Hong Kong. The National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan will be meeting face-to-face with Yang Jiechi. Uh, he is China's top diplomat. He is a top-ranking official on the Politburo. So they are raising, um, you know, the level of contact because the White House, while stopping short of, you know, outright condemning Beijing's 
neutral stance. Uh, they're trying to court Beijing's efforts to, you know, wield its influence on Moscow uh, to a enforce the sanctions and as well, of course, ultimately uh, help uh, persuade Vladimir Putin to end his war in Ukraine. And Bloomberg Stephen Engels says the meeting will take place in Rome. And Russian prosecutors reportedly are threatening U.S. companies such as McDonald's, Yum, and IBM for criticizing the government or pulling out of the country. According to the Wall Street Journal, assets could be seized or corporate leaders could be targeted for arrest. Alliance Chief Economic Advisor Mohamed Alarian is saying the economic fallout from Russian President Vladimir Putin's full-scare invasion of Ukraine is likely to include a further pickup in U.S. inflation. There will be a Putin inflation component. I estimate that at 7.9%, we will probably get very close or above 10% before we come down. And that difference will be all because of the disruption that Putin's war uh, imply for commodity prices, supply chains, and shipments. Mohamed Alarian, who is also a Bloomberg contributor, made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. And inflation is a key reason why investors expect the Fed to begin raising interest rates this week. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Vinnie Dalziudais. The Fed meets Tuesday and Wednesday, and central bankers have signaled they'll lift rates after a big cut to near zero at the start of the pandemic in March 2020. Americans are losing ground to inflation, and that's putting a big dent in consumer confidence, lows going back to the financial crisis more than a decade ago. Data Tuesday on February wholesale prices could show a year-over-year gain of 10%. Other economic reports this week, retail sales and industrial production could point to moderating economic growth across the U.S. Vinnie Dell Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Well, higher interest rates, a commodity crunch, and the war has one Wall Street firm cutting its stock targets once again. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Goldman Sachs strategists are lowering their S&P 500 target for the second time in a month, this time from 4,900 to 4,700. The index closed just above 4,200 on Friday. Now, it comes as the global commodity crunch triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine deep the slump in U.S. stocks. Last month, Goldman cut its initial year-end target of 5,100 points for the S&P 500. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. A huge sell-off overnight in tech stocks in Asia. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, John and Karen. A plunge of as much as 8.5% in a gauge of Chinese tech firms listed in Hong Kong reverberated around the region, leaving the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index in the red for a second session. A COVID lockdown in Shenzhen, which is a tech hub, added to geopolitical and regulatory risks facing the sector. A Bloomberg intelligence gauge tracking Macau gaming and casino stocks slumped as much as 9% to a record low as China placed the southern city into lockdown. And elsewhere, a weaker yen saw the Nikkei 225 gain six tenths of one percent in tokyo in singapore juliet sali bloomberg daybreak all right juliet thank you well bitcoin ether and dogecoin got a quick boost today after elon musk tweeted that he owns the digital tokens and is not planning to sell bitcoin which has fallen almost three percent before Musk's tweet right now is trading at thirty nine thousand eighteen dollars it's up about nine tenths of a percent again futures are higher this morning s&p futures up 32 points dow futures up 296 and nasdaq futures up 66 and straight ahead your latest local headlines plus a check of sports and this is bloomberg 
right, thanks, Karen. 5.07 on Wall Street. And time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Police say they are searching for a man who is believed to have attacked multiple people who are sleeping on the streets in New York City and Washington, D.C., killing two of his victims and injuring three others. D.C. police said they are working with the NYPD to find the man who fatally shot and stabbed a man in the district and then killed another man Saturday in New York City. New York Mayor Eric Adams says a city task force would focus on finding homeless people in the subways and other locations and urge them to take refuge at city-owned shelters. We're going to take extra steps to encourage individuals to go into the shelters for safety reasons as well as the current weather condition. Mayor Adams says this is a clear case of how there are too many illegal guns on the streets. New York City police say they have identified the man who they say stabbed two employees of the Museum of Modern Art. The video released by police shows a man identified as 60-year-old Gary Cabana entering the museum lobby through a revolving door, then climbing onto the desk and leaping over it before cornering the two employees and stabbing them. Authorities say the employees suffered non-life-threatening injuries. North Korea could reportedly launch an ICBM as soon as this week. That's according to the Yonhap News Agency. It would be its most serious provocation in five years. New York City Health Commissioner Dave Chachki is talking about the mental health toll from the spread of COVID-19. Dr. Chachki says that even members of his own family struggled emotionally due to the impact from the coronavirus. Many people have not actually been asked about, but then when you do, uh, there is this opening up that occurs because so many people have felt uh, disconnected in some way. Dr. Chachki's plan on stepping down today. Today, a ceremony will be held to mark his last day as New York City's health commissioner. An Oscar-winning actor, William Hurt, has died at age 71. His films include broadcast news and The Big Chill. Hurt's son said in a statement that his father died of natural causes. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you very much. KSL 509 on Wall Street, and that's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashier. All right, John, good morning. That was quick. Tom Brady retired on February 1st. Forty days later, changed his mind. Said in a statement, that time will come, but it's not now. My place is on the field, not in the stands. He's 44, not as if he can't play anymore. Just had a terrific season with Tampa Bay. He'll now play a third season with the Bucks after 20 in New England. In Tampa, the Yankees just held their first official team workout and then made a trade with the Minnesota Twins. Sent packing Gary Sanchez, the Yanks' starting catcher since 2017, and Gio Urshela, their starting third baseman the last three seasons. The Yanks acquired a new left side of the infield. Veteran third baseman Josh Donaldson and shortstop Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. 26-year-old was a gold-glove winning third baseman with Texas in 2020. They moved him to shortstop last season. They traded him to the Twins on Saturday, and the next day the Twins shipped him to the Yanks. Nets beat the Knicks, 110-107. Kevin Durant scored 53 points. The unvaccinated Kyrie Irving not allowed to play home games, but he was at the Barclays Center sitting in the stands. That led KD to reach out to New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Man, I said, Eric, you got to I mean, figure something out, man, because 
You know, it's looking crazy, especially on national TV, and he can come to the game but not play. Like, come on, man. Hey, yo, Eric. The mayor has said since city workers lost their jobs for not getting the vaccine, Irving should not get special treatment. Islanders beat the Ducks 4-3. NCAA tournament field announced Rutgers will play Notre Dame on Wednesday. Seton Hall takes on TCU on Friday. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks a lot. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, futures in the U.S., they are higher right now. Dow futures of 324 points. The S&P futures up 37. And the Nasdaq Emily futures, right now they are up 82 points. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Is the cure for higher prices, higher prices? Just ahead, we're going to speak with economist Dennis Gartman on this Fed Week. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are rising along with U.S. stock index futures as negotiators from Russia and Ukraine prepare for a new round of talks. A global bond route deepened with the five-year Treasury yield cresting 2% for the first time since 2019. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures up 32 points. Dow futures up 292 and NASDAQ futures up 63. The DAX in Germany is up 2.5%. The 10-year Treasury down 25.30 seconds. The yield 2.08%. The yield on the two-year, 1.80%. NYMEX crude oil is down 3.8% on $4.16 at $105.16 a barrel. COMEX gold down 8 tenths percent or $16.30 at $19.68.50 an ounce. The euro, 1.0964 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3048. The yen's at 117.81. And Bitcoin this morning is higher, up 8 tenths of a percent at $38,950. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Russia's military forces are keeping up their campaign to capture Ukraine's capital as residents of other besieged cities hold out hope that renewed diplomacy Diplomatic talks might open the way for more civilians to evacuate or emergency supplies to reach them. A day after expanding the war in Ukraine with an airstrike on a military base close to the Polish border, Russian forces fired artillery on suburbs north and east of Kiev. NFL superstar Tom Brady announced that his short-lived retirement is over. Brady posted on Instagram that he believes his time isn't over yet on the field and he will return for a 23rd season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the NBA, the Nets beat the Knicks, the Celtics lost, in the NHL, the Islanders won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you very much. It is coming up on 520 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Time to get you set up for the trading day. We are joined now by economist Dennis Gartman, the University of Akron Endowment Chair, former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Happy Monday, Dennis. Uh, of course, Federal Reserve policymakers widely expected to raise their benchmark interest rate this week. What's going to be the impact for equity investors? 
Well, I think, first of all, let's understand that, yes, the Fed is going to raise the overnight Fed funds rate by 25 basis points. Mr. Powell has made that abundantly clear. There was talk two and three weeks ago before Mr. Powell made it clear that perhaps they'd raise it by 50 basis points. But now it appears that 25 is 7. We'll probably see 25 basis points for every meeting this year. And it means over time that uh, the yield curve is probably going to go to a slight inversion by year end, which would be recessionary. On balance, I think that that's detrimental to stock prices in the long run. But uh, something that I watch on a close basis is the CNN Fear and Greed Index, which is a compendium of seven different indicators of the internal co components of the market. And it goes from 100 to zero. The highest I've ever seen it when the market is overbought is 98, which was in uh, late, 19, late uh, 2019, before the market crashed. And the lowest I've seen it was two. Uh, which was in March of uh, 2020 at the height of the uh, of the uh, uh, pandemic uh, concerns or the start of the pandemic concerns, and right now we're down to 11. Uh, actually, we're uh, turning up from to 14. When you're down to those levels, when you're down under 20 and turn higher, the market has been extremely oversold and due for a bounce, and that's what we're getting. So I think that the talk this morning of peace talks once again. Uh, is giving way to a, a bounce in the stock market. I don't think it'll last very long, but we're going to get a, We need a bounce that's aggressively, egregiously oversold, and a bounce is long overdue, and that's what we're getting. Yeah, beyond that index, I'm looking at the uh, the fear gauge, the uh, volatility index this morning, 30.86. <laughs> that's elevated, but certainly nowhere near the levels that we saw during the start of the pandemic. No, it's not near the, the the levels that we got in February and March of, of 2020. But any time in my in my book, when you get over 30 and turn lower, it, that's the, the 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 VIX is part of the CNN Fear and Greed Index itself, and it's I think it's a bit overextended. So I'll, a little exception at this point. I think at 30, it's it's a little high. It can go. It, it, we we've seen it as high as what 45 at times, and and that's during periods of extreme price movements. Uh, one time last week, I think it got as high as 36 intraday. Uh, at 30, I think it's a little extended, and, and it's one of the, one of the seven component parts of the fear and greed index, which, as I said, has been down below 20 and has turned higher. And when it does that, you get a bounce, and that's what we're getting this morning. In the commodity space, what is the term structure telling us? The term structure has been, I, I think, something that you need to follow very closely. I started in this business in the early 1970s in the cotton market, and I learned to watch how the front months trade versus the back months, whether we're in backwardation or contango. And I learned long ago to watch the change in the backwardation, watch the change in contango. We would, during, in, in this run-up in, in, in crude oil, when we got to, what, $137 a barrel for WTI, the, the backwardation was widening every single day. The would go up more on up, on up days. The front month would lose less on down days. The backwardation would widen. And for a while last week, it was interesting. As the market was going higher, the backwardation began to narrow. That's atypical. That's unusual. And that was telling me that the, that the crude oil market was making its highs. I think we'll keep on what the crude oil market is doing. Keep an eye on what the backwardation is doing. Uh, in, in backwardated markets, you don't want to be you don't want to be a, a bear. But certainly, at, when you start to see the backwardation begin to narrow, you you lose your impetus of being bullish. So keep an eye on the term structure. I think in in, in all carrying charge markets, whether it's corn, whether it's uh, wheat, whether it's soybeans, whether it's sugar, whether it's coffee, whether it's cocoa. Importantly, when it's crude oil, the change in the in the in the nature of the backwardation, the change in the nature of the term structure, 
is is evidence of informed, well, uh, uh, hedging money, informed money, wise money, and the the term structure was beginning to turn bearish in crude oil last week. With the idea that uh, higher prices cure higher prices, are you seeing demand destruction? Got about twenty seconds. There's no question you're seeing demand destruction. People are changing the manner in which they're driving their automobiles. People are changing the manner in which they're heating their houses. All, all prices made at the margin. When the last 2% of the buyers become sellers, markets change. When the last 2% of the sellers become buyers, markets change. Yeah. And there's no question, at the margin, people are changing the manner in which they're using energy. So, yes, demand destruction is part of the future. Always a pleasure, sir. Economist Dennis Gartman, the University of Akron Endowment Chair and former publisher of the Gartman Blender. Dow futures up 272 points. S&P futures, they're up 30 points. NASDAQ futures up 54 and the Bloomberg weather for today should be a nice day. Morning clouds giving way to sunshine, the high temperature in the mid-50s. Tomorrow, sunny and mild, high 60 to 65. Wednesday, sunshine, highs near 60. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. The United States plans to hold its first high-level in-person talks with China since Russia's invasion of Ukraine began. It comes as the U.S. says Russia has asked China for military equipment to support its invasion. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The U.S. says nobody should help replace Russian losses during the invasion. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan heads to Rome today for high-level talks with China's top foreign policy official, Young Jaechir. Meanwhile, Russia has shelled a Ukrainian military base 10 miles away from the border with Poland, and Sullivan says if anything lands in Poland, NATO will respond. That the United States will work with our allies to defend every inch of NATO territory. And he used the term full force reaction. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. Negotiators from Ukraine and Russia are set to speak today. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky hopes it will lead to a meeting between himself and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Should then, no? Representatives of our countries are holding daily talks via video conference. Our delegation has a clear task to do everything to arrange the meeting of the presidents. The meeting, I'm sure, people are waiting for. Vladimir Zelensky says a path to talks with Putin is difficult but necessary. Well, on Wall Street, John, higher interest rates, a commodity crunch in the war, has one firm cutting its stock targets once again. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Goldman Sachs strategists are lowering their S&P 500 target for the second time in a month, this time from 4,900 to 4,700. The index closed at just above 4,200 on Friday. It comes as the global commodity crunch triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine deepened the slump in U.S. stock. Last month, Goldman cut its initial year-end target of 5,100 points for the S&P 500. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Looking to curb inflation, the Federal Reserve expected to hike interest rates at this week's FOMC meeting. Fed Chair Jerome Powell recently told lawmakers he'd recommend a quarter-point rate hike. 
And Dogecoin experienced brief gains following a tweet from billionaire Elon Musk, John, who said he isn't planning to sell any of the digital tokens. Bitcoin is currently trading at $39,060. It's up about 1% this morning. Futures are also higher this morning. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. It is 5.33 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. Police in New York City are searching for a suspect that they say shot and killed a homeless person and wounded another in separate attacks over the weekend. Both victims were sleeping when they were shot. New York Mayor Eric Adams. Not committing a crime, but sleeping on the streets. A total abandonment and betrayal of trust. For this action to have taken place in the manner that it did. Mayor Adams announced a city task force would focus on finding homeless people in the subways and other locations and urged them to take sleep in city-owned shelters. North Korea could launch an ICBM as soon as this week. The Yonhap News Agency cited unidentified South Korean government officials. It would be its most serious provocation in five years as South Korea undergoes a presidential transition and the world focuses on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Gasoline thefts are on the rise. In Houston, for example, police are looking for thieves who stole about a 1,000 gallons of diesel fuel from the underground storage tanks of a family-owned gas station. Station manager Gary Thale says surveillance video recorded the thieves pulling up in a van over the lids of the station's underground storage tanks. The van drives on top of the fuel tank. That's all you see. No one comes out. They have a trap door inside their vehicle, which is crazy. Station manager Jerry Thale says the thieves struck three times last week and were chased off during a fourth robbery attempt. Former President Barack Obama says he has tested positive for covid Obama says outside of a scratchy throat, he is feeling fine. Otherwise, Obama says his wife, Michelle, has tested negative and calls on people to get vaccinated. Oscar-winning actor William Hurt has died. His many films include Broadcast News and The Big Chill. Hurt's son said in a statement that his father died of natural causes at age 71. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. And it's now 536 on Wall Street. That's time for Bloomberg Sports. And here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. It's not as if Tom Brady's the first athlete to change their mind about retirement. Brett Favre did it a few times. Several boxers have done it. But usually the retirement lasts a little longer. For Brady, a 40-day retirement. So much for wanting to spend more time at home. He's back with Tampa Bay at age 44 and coming off statistically one of his best seasons. Brady said in a statement, my place is on the field, not in the stands. The Yankees did not make any moves before the lockout. Now that it's over, a trade with the Minnesota Twins. They traded Gary Sanchez. He made a big splash with his power back in 2017, but his average fell all the way down to 147 a couple years ago. Never strong defensively. Gio Urshela was terrific defensively at third base, but he was also dealt in return. Yanks get 36-year-old third baseman Josh Donaldson, the AL MVP, though that was back in 2015. He's bounced around in recent years with four different teams. Yanks also acquired 26-year-old shortstop Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who the Twins had just acquired on Saturday from Texas, and they get a young catcher, Ben Wurtville. 
at the Barclays Center. Nets beat the Knicks 110-107. Kevin Durant scored 53 points and then wondered why Kyrie Irving wasn't allowed to play considering Irving was at the game, sitting in the stands. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't understand it at all. I mean, as it, there's a few people in our arena that's unbacked, right? Like, they lifted all of that in our arena, right? So it's the, I don't get it. Irving still only playing road games. Islanders ended their six-game homestand with a third straight win, 4-3 over Anaheim. NCAA tournament field announced Rutgers got in, has to play a first four-game Wednesday against Notre Dame. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks very much. 537 on Wall Street. That's time for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Scott Carr. New Jersey is set to receive $641 million out of an opioid case settlement with New Brunswick-based Johnson & Johnson and the nation's three biggest pharmaceutical distributors, McKesson, Cardinal Health, and Amerisource Bergen. A statement from Governor Phil Murphy's office says the settlement will be paid through 2038 and will fund programs focused on treatment, prevention, and other ways to combat the epidemic in the state. A yearly analysis of Connecticut's jobs data shows the state dropped its unemployment rate to 5.1% at the end of last year before Omicron-related job losses pushed that figure up to 5.3% in January. Both figures are below the 5.8% mark that analysts had previously expected in December of last year. They say that indicates a comeback for Connecticut from the COVID lockdowns of 2020, though gradual may be stronger than expected. Dave and Busters will open a second location in Brooklyn next month. It's set to open April 25th. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thanks, Scott. It is now 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about the financial worries of America's high school students. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Some travel industry executives are expecting one of the best summer seasons ever. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBB, I'm in Chicago. I'm reporting that for McDonald's, continuing to pay workers in Russia, along with other costs, will add up to about $50 million a month. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the UK. Refugee response. The government scraps in-person visa applications and offers households cash to house refugees. I'm Scott Carr on WDCH in Washington. I'm reporting on Beltway businesses getting a boost from the war in Ukraine. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 5:39 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. In a bid to ease pressure on global energy supplies, the U.S. has opened talks with the government of Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro, which could lead to the lifting of some sanctions against his regime. Such an outcome would be a blow to Venezuela's opposition and its desire to see Maduro removed from power. The U.S. should move forward anyway. Reestablishing diplomatic ties with Venezuela is a necessary step toward harnessing its immense energy-producing potential. It could also drive a wedge between Venezuela and its chief patron, Russia. Ousting Maduro was a defensible goal, but the strategic environment has changed. Biden should aim for a policy that balances economic and security needs with a commitment to democratic values and provide a path to a more productive relationship with Venezuela and its long-suffering people. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Chipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. 
copies has been Bloomberg Opinion. Now, Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPINGO. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And ahead of the cash open of Wall Street futures in the U.S. point to a higher open Dow futures of 306 points. S&P futures of 35 and the Nasdaq E-mini futures 75 points higher. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks in Europe are climbing along with U.S. stock index futures as negotiators from Russia and Ukraine prepare for a new round of talks. A global bond route deepens with the yields on the 5- and 10-year Treasury rising to their highest since 2019. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 39 points. Dow futures up 337. NASDAQ futures up 96. The DAX in Germany is up 3.1%. Ten-year Treasury down 29.30 seconds. The yield 2.09%. The yield on the two-year 1.80%. NYMEX crude oil is down more than 4.5% on $5.03 at $104.24 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 1% or $19.50 at $19.65.50 an ounce. The euro 1.0974 against the dollar. British pound 1.3052. The yen is at 117.83. Bitcoin higher by 1.2%. It's at $39,130. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. U.S. officials say Russia has asked China for military assistance for its war in Ukraine. A spokesman for China's foreign ministry rejected the reports today as disinformation and malicious. NFL superstar Tom Brady announced that his short-lived retirement is over. Brady says he will return for a 23rd season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in baseball, a big trade for the Yankees. The New York Yankees have acquired former AL MVP Josh Donaldson, shortstop Isaiah Kinner-Falefa, and backup catcher Ben Roortveld from the Minnesota Twins for catcher Gary Sanchez and third baseman Gio Ursula. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you very much. 549 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. Uh, time for an update on the war in Ukraine. We're joined now by Mark Champion, Bloomberg Senior Reporter for International Affairs. Uh, Mark, you just heard Michael mention that U.S. officials say Russia has asked China for military assistance for its war in Ukraine. How likely is that? Mark Champion, can you hear us? All right, uh, as we try to reestablish contact with our uh, Bloomberg senior reporter for international affairs, uh, Mark Champion, Karen, we're going to head over to you for the time being. All right. It is 549 on Wall Street, John. It is time for the Bloomberg Law Report. It is brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Maxwell's lawyers argue that they didn't have the ability to question. 
Millions of Americans living in states that don't adjust their tax brackets to account for surging inflation are facing hidden tax increases in their paychecks. Florida will lead the nation in sales tax holidays. Lawmakers plan to vote today to waive state levies on gasoline and a range of consumer products. The Texas Supreme Court agreed to review whether state universities have the power to revoke degrees of former students long after the students have left the institutions. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story. We're watching Elaine Maxwell's lawyers are asking the trial judge to throw out the verdict against her for sex trafficking underage girls with Jeffrey Epstein. They want a new trial because a juror did not disclose a history of childhood sexual abuse during jury selection, but then in interviews after the verdict said that he had used his history to convince fellow jurors to convict Maxwell. The juror denied lying intentionally when he testified at a hearing last week. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to former federal prosecutor Jessica Roth, a professor at Cardozo Law School. Maxwell's lawyers argue that they didn't have the ability to question him about possible bias and that they would have tried to get him dismissed. So no matter if he did it unintentionally or intentionally, isn't this the kind of juror that the defense should get a chance to knock off the jury? Well, if he had answered yes to these questions that disclosed his relevant own history of sexual abuse, there would have been follow-up questions for him, as there were for other prospective jurors who disclosed that they had also been the victims of sexual abuse. There were other such prospective jurors, and when they disclosed that information, they were asked additional questions to inquire into whether they could be fair and impartial jurors in the case. The court would also have to decide whether or not he could have nevertheless have been a fair and impartial juror. And that was the kind of information the court was trying to elicit at the hearing, which was essentially to ask the follow-up questions and to try to get at the very same inquiry the court would have been engaged in during the voir dire process had he answered the questions in the affirmative the first time around. Does the judge consider the fact that the victims would have to testify again and the length of time it took to try Maxwell? Are those considerations? They're not considerations in an immediate sense. They're not part of the legal standard that the court is going to be applying here, which is much more specific to whether or not the juror was fair and impartial. But in a sense, considerations about the impact on witnesses and concerns about finality are essentially baked into the overall standards that courts apply when considering motions for a new trial. Motions for a new trial are disfavored in part because of the disruption to victims' lives and witnesses' lives, the idea that they would have to testify again. And so courts are instructed generally under the standards governing motions for a new trial that they should only be granted when there's essentially a manifest injustice. Would you be surprised if the judge granted a new trial? It happens so rarely. It does happen so rarely. I think a lot is going to turn on the judge's evaluation of the witness's credibility in answering these questions about why he did not give statements that were true. Because whether it's dispositive or not, whether or not he intentionally lied, it's certainly going to be a very heavy factor. If the court finds that he lied, that would tend to suggest more a motivation on his part to try to get on the jury, and that in turn suggests more of a bias toward the defendant, and therefore that he would not have been fair and impartial. 
And that's Jessica Roth, a professor at Cardozo Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg's June Grasso. And you can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. John. And thanks, Karen. And we've established contact with our Mark Champion, Bloomberg Senior Reporter for International Affairs. Sorry for the disconnect a little earlier. And uh, an update on the war in Ukraine. Mark, uh, good morning. U.S. officials say Russia's asked China for military assistance. How likely is that? And does it also risk sanctions on China? Uh, yes, the Chinese have denied it. Uh, the, the partnership that they have with uh, Russia is in part military. Uh, China has bought a lot of equipment from Russia, uh, Russia, you know, less in the other direction. Um, and also they've conducted military exercises together. So it would not be a huge surprise at all if Russia were to ask if they were having any issues uh, with supplies of uh, missiles, for example, which, uh, you know, there is some, um, uh, uh, you know, reports that they may have used fewer precision-guided missiles because they just don't have enough of them in stock. Um, so it wouldn't be too surprising if they were to try and get replenishments. Um, you know, whether that has happened or not uh, is, is hard to say. Um, you know, the Chinese would have to bear in mind that it's likely that anything that they do supply would eventually show up on the battlefield, so it will become clear. Does it indicate some level of desperation, if that's the word, on the part of uh, the Russian military? Well, they do seem to have had some logistics issues and they've had some, you know, issues with uh, with munitions, um, apparently. At least they haven't used as many as people would have expected them to use. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if the word is desperation, but they, they do have issues. They, they're having to sort of call up. Uh, mercenaries from Syria in order to replenish their troops. Um, clearly, this campaign has not gone the way that they expected it to go. And uh, any you know, military analyst will tell you that in three or weeks or four weeks into any military campaign, a major replenishment is needed, both of troops and equipment that starts to break down, uh, equipment that's destroyed and so on. Just about uh, 45 seconds left. Uh, the U.S. and China plan to her- uh, hold in-person talks. I think that's in Rome. Can you tell us more on what's going to happen with that? Uh, well, the, the Americans have made it clear that they're going to say to the Chinese that there will be you know, serious repercussions if uh, the Chinese provide either weapons or workarounds so that they can help the Russians to escape sanctions. So uh, that, that will be uh, the pressure from the, the American side. The Chinese have tried to sh- show themselves as neutral in the conflict. Um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, they have backed the Russian narrative in particular about chemical weapons. Uh, Mark, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Mark Champion, Bloomberg Senior Reporter for International Affairs, with the update there on the latest on the war in Ukraine. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street this morning, we have futures in the U.S. They are higher. The Dow futures of 397 points, a rise of 1.2%. S&P E-mini futures 47 points higher, up 1.1%. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq futures right now up 131 points. That is a rise of 1%. 10-year yield in the U.S., 2.09%. That's up 10 basis points this morning. The two-year at 1.81%. That's up six basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.